This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. If you have your Bibles, open with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you remember last week, Pastor Derek gave us a challenge, and that challenge was to read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And, and as I read that, what stood out to me, I didn't post it on the web because I decided to uh, put together a sermon instead. <laughs> what, what had challenged me when, and, uh, when I read Romans chapter 5, what stood out to me was this. It says, uh, verse 1 through 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And here's what stood out, verses 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. And I'm going to stop there, but how many know that when we can know something, when we can understand something, it's easier for us to respond to that? We have a sense that we're in control when we understand things. It's when we don't understand things that drive us crazy, right? If we don't know what's going on, it drives us crazy. But, we have, but here it says we can know something. That when we are faced with tribulation, when we are faced with trials, we can know something. We can know that this tribulation, these trials that we face, is going to produce something. It's going to produce a perseverance in our lives. And perseverance, in turn, will produce character and character hope. We can know that. So I want to build my message off of that very thought and reading in 1 Peter. We're going to find that Peter and James are preaching the exact same message that uh, Paul was writing. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, And that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What really leaped out of me as I began to read this text, for a number of years, I've always taught this, and not that, it's, not that it's incorrect, but it's not to really, I don't believe it's full revelation. And I'm going to share with you what I mean by that. I've always been taught, it says, in this you greatly rejoice. This word, in, in greatly rejoice, means to leap for joy. So what are we to leap for joy about? For a number of years, I used to think that what we're supposed to leap for joy or greatly rejoice in the fact is in the trials that we're experiencing because it's going to produce something. That's true, but let me give you, you ever ask the question, why am I supposed to rejoice? Why? And what basis should I rejoice in the midst of the trials I'm facing? And I think the answer is in this. 
And, and we can know a couple things in verses 4 and 5. In verse 4, it says that we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. That we are kept by the power of God in this greatly rejoice. Isn't that exciting? That we can greatly rejoice in the fact that God has my back. Regardless of the trials and the adversities that I will face in life, I can greatly rejoice because I'm kept by the power of God. Isn't that exciting? That'll get you shouting happy. Man, early in the morning, it'll the caffeine kick in. But you, you see here, friends, this word kept says we are kept by the power of God. The word kept is a military term. It is a term of a picture of a sentry standing at guard Guarding your heart and guarding what comes into your life. So we are kept. God has placed his angels around about you. He's placed his word in you to keep you by the power of God. And that greatly rejoice. Regardless now of the trials and adversities that I'm going to face, God has my back. God has my best interest at heart. God is not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. God is going to see me through this because I am kept by his power. That's exciting. So that is, the, that is the reason that we can greatly rejoice. Because it doesn't matter how bad things begin to look on the outside. It doesn't matter what we are facing in life. Because we can greatly rejoice because we are kept by the power of God. That's exciting. Now we're, we are admonished to do this. And in John 16 verse 33, Jesus says, In this world you will have tribulations. You're going to have tribulations. If you're still living and breathing and have a pulse, you're going to have tribulations. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. Why? Because I've already overcome the world. That's why we can rest in the promise that we are kept by his power because he's already provided victory for us. And we can rest in the fact that we are now kept by the power of God. In James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, and this sounds a lot like Paul in Romans 5. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Because we can know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But let endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. See, we are to count it for joy. It's interesting that the word counted for joy in the Greek means to appraise the situation from God's perspective. We are to look at the trials from God's perspective and we are to embrace the truth that trials are a means to our moral and spiritual growth. Why? Because we can know something. We can know that trials are producing endurance. Or I like this, the word endurance can also mean staying power. It produces staying power. It produces a tenacity that says, it's a state of mind that says, this is my spot and I am not moving. And that's the attitude we need to have when we are approached with these attacks of the enemy, that this is my spot and I am not moving. I am holding onto the promise of God and I will not let go. In fact, in classical Greek language, the word is hupomone. And it has a picture of a helmsman holding onto the wheel of the ship and holding tight in the midst of the storm, steering his ship the best way he can, and he just won't let go. 
In fact, they have exhumed bodies from the ocean of skeletal remains holding onto a helm. That he is going to die for what he believes. Because I've got a, I've got a responsibility. I'm going to hold on to the promise and I am not letting go. That's the ty- that is the word picture here of this staying power, of this endurance. But yet I found that many people begin to blame God for all that goes wrong in our lives. Where I said, God, why is this happening to me? What is going on, God? And, but John 10.10 says this. The thief, Satan, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. It's interesting that this word here, to steal, says that it refers to him coming to steal your joy, to steal your peace, to steal your beliefs. And he wants to destroy or ruin your testimony. He's trying to destroy God's credibility in your life. Has God said, and will God really do what he said he will do? The enemy comes to question those things and to stir up questions in our own mind. But I have found out, friends, there are times, there are times that when trials occur, it is for a disciplinary purpose. But we, in our Western mindset, we seem to believe that every time we're in a trial, I did something wrong. God, what did I do wrong? Friends, that's not the case. Let me say this. See, the Bible refers to it as chastisement. Every chastisement is a trial, but not every trial is chastisement. Let me say that again. Every chastisement is a trial, but not every trial is chastisement. Sometimes you are being attacked because you have embraced a promise. You've embraced a promise of God's word, and the enemy doesn't like that, and you're being challenged. It is simply testing the faith that you have now embraced. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, says, The devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood. After you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and then settle you. See, the devil walks about as a roaring lion. He wants to devour you. Has the devil ever tried to use your past against you? Yeah. Has he told you that you're in this mess because of what you've done? (laughs) He says, don't bother asking God for help. You got yourself into this mess. You'll have to get yourself out. It's the law of sowing and reaping. The devil can quote scripture. You see, friends, Satan's design in tempting us or bringing trials against us is always to destroy us by pulling us away from God. But God will use the trials that we experience to further a grand and eternal purpose in our life. In fact, in James chapter 1, verse 4, he says, Let patience, or let endurance, have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Here's what the literal Greek says. Let endurance come to perfection in your life, that you may be mature in character, lacking nothing. Let perfection come, let endurance come to perfection in your life that you may be mature in character, lacking nothing. You see, all these scriptures I've just shared with you says that trials will only benefit us if we allow it to produce endurance in us, which in turn does a work in our character. That word character, back to Romans 5, verse 4, that word character means this, a twofold meaning. It means approved faith, approved faith, and tried integrity. 
approved faith and tried integrity. How do we know we have faith unless it's been tested? Think about it. But it means that my faith has been approved because I've stood the test. I've held fast to the promise of God regardless of the circumstances. I took God at his word because I know that God is the only one that will not fail. I know that God will not lie. I know that God will always come through for me. So therefore, I'm embracing the promise of his word. And, as, and regardless of what I face, I won't be denied God's promise in my life. I hold fast to that. My faith has been approved. But also, the second part of that is tried integrity. And what that means is that your heart and your behavior is consistent in good times and in bad. It's easy to praise God when everything is going well in our lives. We have a nice job, happy family, we're healthy, all our needs are met. We seem like we're starting to get ahead. Praise God, God, I'm a king's kid. I don't have to settle for less. I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed whatever I set my hands to is blessed. I'm going to be prospered. Everything, and God is so good. But what happens when you lose your job? You experience a divorce. You you experience cancer in your body. Your dreams become broken or shattered. What happens then? Is your integrity still true to the promise of God in your life? Regardless, when life doesn't make sense, we still have grace. We still have the ability to trust God because we know that he sees the end from the beginning and that God always works a grander plan to further his purpose in my life regardless of the circumstances I'm seeing because I don't see the end. That's where faith comes in. I have to trust God. Because I don't know how this is going to play out. I just know he's got my back. I just know that he's got my best interest at heart. And when when life doesn't make sense, I have to hold on and trust him that he will lead me in the way that is pleasing his sight and he is going to promote me so that he is glorified. See, friends, that's tried integrity. When times are good, when times are bad, I am consistent to holding on to the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ. So I talk so much here about endurance that we said that tribulation produces endurance let me give you three keys that will help you produce endurance in your life it will produce staying power in your life number one the first thing we need to have is that we must have an eye for the future we must have an eye for the future in second corinthians chapter four I'm going to start reading in verse 7. Are you guys getting anything out of this this morning? But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Did you catch that? That the life of Jesus Christ should be manifested in our mortal flesh? That when people look at you, they should see Jesus? Think about that. Because verse 12 says, then death is working in us, but life in you. Let me just camp there a moment. So then death is working in us, but life in you. What does that mean? It means that when people have known me for years, when I go back to West Virginia, they'll say, you're different. You're not the same loser 
that we remember growing up. You're not the same goofball that we knew growing up. You're not the same drug addict that we knew growing up. Because why? Because that Andy Shanholtz is dead. And the death that has been worked in me is producing life because they see the transformation that has occurred in me. That produces life in you. So you are a walking testimony. So when people begin to see you and say you're different than the way you used to be, it's because you have died to those ways of life, and now you're manifesting the life of Christ through you, and it produces life in the people that witness that. So death is working in me, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And look at verse 17. For our light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul is saying that the trials and the adversity that I am facing right now is considered a light affliction in light or in comparison to eternity. The trials and things that you are experiencing right now are considered light affliction in light of eternity. We need to have an eye for the future. We need to see things from that perspective that I, am, that I don't like what is happening here right now. I, no one likes going through trials. I don't like the adversity. I don't like hardship. I don't like any of these things that goes on. But if I will keep my eyes fixed to our, our future prize to win Christ and, and become like him in my journey, it gives me hope and it gives me encouragement because then it's not about me. It's about bringing glory to God. See, trials have an ending, but eternity doesn't. Our trials will have an ending, but eternity doesn't. We need to see our affliction, our trials, in light of eternity. In fact, when Paul wrote that, and you can read this on your own, but in chapter 11, he gives a whole list of things that he was facing. He, he talks about how he, was, how he was shipwrecked, how he was beaten by the Jews many times, how he was left for dead, how he was stoned, he was shipwrecked. He was in journeys in perils of waters. He was in the presence of robbers and abuse and weariness. He was taking all kinds of advantage. He was left for dead many times, but yet Paul says that's light affliction. How many of us have experienced trials to that degree? And Paul calls it light affliction. Why? Because he had eternity in his heart and he saw it by the eyes of faith. So if we will do that as well, that will create the staying power in us because we won't look at our present condition. We will look at our future expectation, our hope in Christ. Number two, you must have an awareness of God's ultimate purpose for you. In order to endure, you must have an awareness of God's ultimate purpose for you. Romans 8, 28 through 29, he says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Friends, there, we may go through a lot of things, and I, granted, we don't like some of the things we've gone through. And it's not that God's working all these trials or these hardships for our good, but the things that we do through it is what the work that he does in our life, 
That's what is working to good. He's working character in us. He's working that image of Christ in us that we will begin to respond the way Christ would respond. So everything that we face, God is, God is orchestrating those circumstances to further a grander plan and to take you from glory to glory to glory. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 20 through 21. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. God is working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. He is trying to create within you the image of his dear son. Remember, I talked about earlier on in 1 Peter 3, he says that our faith, is, the testing of our faith is more precious than that of gold. Are you familiar with how this process of gold works when they're, when they're, when they're melting down the, the ore of gold, a goldsmith? What a goldsmith will do, he will take this ore and he will begin to just stir the ore of gold. And as he's stirring it, the impurities, the dross comes to the surface and he begins to skim it up and, and discard it. And he'll continue to stir this ore and he will continue to stir it and remove the impurities until he can see his reflection in the ore. And once he sees his reflection in the ore, he knows it has reached its full purity. As God is beginning to stir things in your life through the trials and the adversities that you're facing, God is stirring these things in your life because he wants to get to the point to remove the impurities, the things that are displeasing his sight. He wants to remove those so he can begin to see himself in you. And when he begins to see himself in you, he goes, here's one. Here's one in which I'm well pleased. This is a treasure. This is a trophy. I'm going to take this and put it on my mantelpiece. And he sets it up there. Here's one in which I'm well pleased. I have stirred it. I have worked it. I have shaped it. I have removed the things that were displeasing my sight. I see me in him. That is one I'm well pleased. And that's why when we face these trials and adversities, that's what's going on. He is fathering a grander plan in your life. He wants to see himself in you. And when he sees himself in you, other people see Jesus in you. And that begins to draw them. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I shall draw all men unto me. And as we begin to lift him up and, and living our lives that reflects his, girl, his glory and his grace, people are then drawn to him because they see Christ. The third and final step in producing endurance is we must keep we must keep your attitude in line with the Word of God. You must keep your attitude in line with the Word of God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10. I want you to see this. This is such a huge passage. In fact, this passage set me free. It, it caused me to challenge it a few times. I argued with God over it. But once you embrace it, it will bring, it will bring hope and encouragement. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation or trial. The word temptation and trial is the exact same Greek word. It's contingent upon the context in which it is in, in the way that we use it. No temptation or trial has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. Look at this part. Who will not allow you to be tested or tried beyond what you are able? But with the trial will also make a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. How many know that God is impossible for God to lie? It's impossible for God to lie. And if God says here that I will not allow you to be tested beyond what you are able, I believe that. I may argue with it. I may disagree with it because I've been in some things. That I said, God, you've got to be kidding me. But what that tells me is this. It tells me 
that that is a measure of God's confidence in me. God believes in me when I don't believe in myself. God believes in you when you don't believe in yourself. Because he says, I will not allow you to be tested or tried above what you are able, but along with that trial or test, I will make a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Friends, that should just, that should have you up and running around the room. So we have to remember that God is in total control, that whatever he does is just and it's right. Even though we may have a hard time figuring some of these things out, we simply, sometimes we just got to accept that the Father knows best. I don't fully understand the things that I go through. And I don't understand some of the trials I've had. There have been times that I've gotten lo- where, I've, where I've lost a job and I'm driving home and just arguing with God. So what, you've got to be kidding me. What do you mean? I, I go to church, I tithe, I'm at all the prayer meetings, I study the word. And what's going on? I can't even provide for my family now. What's the deal? And God just says, just get it out of your system. I know it's in your heart, but just get it out. And then he asks this, one, then he asks this question, when have I ever failed you? When have I ever never showed up to get you through everything you've gone through? He's always showed himself faithful. And I may argue in the heat of the battle because I don't like what I'm going through. No one likes these, these testing times, these trial times. I've seen, I've seen loved ones that have been hurt, and I've seen relationships destroyed, and I, I just don't know why. But I know one thing, that God is always faithful, whether, whether it makes sense to me or not. How many know that I'm not as smart as God? Thank God, right? <laughs> I'm not as smart as God. I still have some, some hillbilly in me, and sometimes I want to do things out of the flesh because I, I got this vigilante mentality. And God says, no, that's not grace. So I got to back up and regroup. And it's a good thing that God always sees the end from the beginning, and God will know how to work these things through, whether I understand it or not. See, that's where faith comes in. There are many times I don't understand what's going on in my life. There are situations and circumstances that are occurring throughout the world I don't fully understand. But one thing I have to understand is that God is in control and that God will always do that which is just and right because he's God. It's his nature. And that knowing that helps me to hold on to the promise of his word, knowing that when life doesn't make sense, I still have grace. And grace, and I love what grace is. We, we've talked about it. Pastor Derek has talked about it. There's two sides to Grace. On one side of the coin, it's unmerited favor. That's what you get. You, you receive what you don't deserve. But the other side of that coin is operational power. It's, good, it's God's divine enablement to do in and through you what you are incapable of doing in and through yourself. In other words, it's God's operational power to accomplish whatever truth demands. Whatever God requires, he gives you the ability to fulfill that. That takes the pressure and stress off of us. He just takes yieldedness on our part. We just don't resist. We just yield to what he wants to do in our lives. In closing, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, 13 through 16. This, this really summarizes the message. Listen to the wording here. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do. I love that. It is God who works in you both to will. In other words, a willingness, having a desire. God puts a willingness in your heart. But also, God works in you to do. He enables you. There's the picture of grace right there. In fact, that's the biblical definition of grace right there in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Then it says, do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation 
among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not labored in vain. You see, friends, your response to trials and adversity is witnessed by other people. Be a testimony of God's hope and God's peace and God's grace to other people. That's what we're called to do. And we see here that God will enable us to accomplish those things if we will just trust him. And summarizing these things again, three things required that will produce endurance. You must have an eye for the future. You must have an awareness of God's ultimate purpose for you. And you must keep your attitude in line with the word of God. Amen? I want to pray with you right now. I believe that this message was a divine appointment, that God has stirred something in your heart. I hope and my trust is that this nugget had created an excitement within your heart that when you experience trials and adversities, that you will go, all right, time out, I need to regroup. I need to see this from God's perspective. You've got to be intentional about that. You have to back away and say, let me look at this from God's perspective. It's so easy for us to react, but we've got to teach ourselves to respond. There's a big difference. We can react which is where we don't think about it, we just do it, or we can respond where we become intentional about our choices that we make. So we, we regroup, time out. All right, God, I know you're following a grander plan. Give me the grace to stand. Give me the ability to trust you and to take you at your word. When your life doesn't make sense, help me to trust you regardless. Amen. Let me pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.